What's shaking, cats and kittens? I'm Rob Lee from Getting to the Truth in This Art. And this podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Bazaar. Bazaar is a gift shop for those seeking the strange and unusual. Got morbid curiosity? Got an interest in natural history? Bazaar's got you covered. Bazaar specializes in antique medical equipment, jewelry, prints, funerary antiques, and many other morbid gifts. The inventory is ever-changing. I'm wearing a great death's head moth pin, and I'm enjoying this hand-poured candle called Overgrown Cemetery. It's great. It has the studio smelling awesome. Head on over to 3534 Chestnut Avenue in Baltimore, Sinan Hamden neighborhood, and see what they got to offer at Bazaar. Tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today's guest is an award-winning 2D character animator with passions in directing, screenwriting, and arts organization, Christina Fittler. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is this is great. We, we, we talked a little bit uh, beforehand. So, you know, definitely to, it's like, verbal alcohol you, you kind of make everyone like really <laughs> cool and relaxed i still have my rock glass from earlier in front of me uh so you've in socially this pod, lubricated you, me yes so so thank you for being on this podcast this is um this is a treat and it's always um it's always good to talk to somebody who has a good sense of humor and based on a conversation we were having earlier you, you got a good one so this is going to be fun um so I gave that really high level, the official IMDb-ish level review of your, your background. But please, um, for those who are uninitiated, give us that uh, background of your work and, and what you're all about. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm Christina, Christina Fiddler. I'm a 2D character animator, director, and screenwriter. Um, I've done work for Comedy Central and XPA Media with you, Roses for Baltimore, um, Mind in Motion and various other people and projects. So I've done a lot of freelance work um, and also community arts organization. I was, when I was in school, I just graduated last year um, from the Maryland Institute College of Art. Um, yeah, Micah. Um, <laughs> I was the uh, president of the only student chapter of women in animation in Maryland. Um, so I was running festivals and like workshops for like students, like professional development type things where people could kind of like hone their craft and talk to people that like do these things for a living and see that there are other people like them out in the world. Um, but yeah, generally I'm a very, very nervous person. So a lot of what I do in my own personal work is really just like pointing a finger at like my insecurities and the things I like really hate about myself. <laughs> and like, just like laughing at it, you know? Um, yeah. I really lean into this like raunchy, cynical and like high energy anxiety that I'm always kind of just like humming with all the time. <laughs> and so like what I do is adult-based for sure. Like sexual anxiety, challenges navigating interpersonal relationships, um, crude humor, relentless introspection, kind of like wrapped up into this uh, twitchy fever dream of like bug-eyed dogs and people with really lanky limbs and messed up perspective. I love like wonky angles and shit, like shapes yeah. that feel really offbeat and strange. And yeah, that's kind of like the the pitch for me. Yeah. You know? 
you, you were just describing uh, my body type with like linky limbs and bug, well, I don't have bug eyes because you know back they're back to normal. I had to see an eye doctor today because I'm getting new glasses. And Congratulations! I was like, oh snap, my eyes are open and yeah, this Blasian aesthetic is going away. Uh, so I read that your work and you touched on it a second ago, kind of the the tensions between comedy and anxiety. It, it, yeah. So. Is there like humor within a situation that wouldn't be funny at the time that you that comes to mind, but in hindsight, it's like, okay, that was hilarious. Yeah, so it can be that way. Um, a lot of the time when I'm making work, I'm kind of like, what if we take a moment that feels like so horrifying and embarrassing and weird and like push it as far as it can go? Like, how can I torture this character with a flaw I've ripped from something I see in myself and like find humor in it. So it's like, it's cathartic really. Um, the whole, like my whole process feels, it's very, it's very cathartic. It's always about me some in some way, shape or form. Um, <laughs> but it makes me feel like the things I freak out about internally or worry about on a daily basis, like aren't as scary as I make them out to be like all the time in my head. So, um, cause I, I do that a lot, Rob. <laughs> so like, I catastrophize and I obsess and all that. So it's like, what happens when you push a scenario to the most outrageous or bizarre degree? Like a lot of the time when you're living in something like, you know, it feels worse than it actually is to anyone on the outside. And the same with like, oh, you look back on that thing and it's like, oh, it wasn't that bad. Or like, oh, like I was, you know, all, I had my undies in a bunch or whatever. I was all yeah. twisted up because like, you know, someone didn't wave to me when I saw them crossing the street and it turns out they just didn't see me or whatever. But um, I guess it's like the whole process is just kind of like of making that kind of work is for me to try and keep my brain in check, like trying to tell it to like shut the fuck up and let me have fun and not be afraid to like live life. And I want other people to kind of like because I know it's a very... um human experience. I feel like all these things come from very common experiences that we just share as social creatures. Um, and it's like, I want people to be like, oh my God, yeah, no, that happens to me too. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Like I get nervous shits or like, yep, I am constantly like, you know, like what the, you know what I mean? Like basically I'm trying to take those very human experiences and see how far I can warp them while still being relatable and fun and quirky you know <laughs> yeah um it's funny uh when at one point where i feel like i was at one of my very creative periods where i feel like i was living like an artist's lifestyle and i, I was podcasting i was barely making any money because i was a freelancer uh at a college and i was always around people creating and me and one of my uh, peers we had this regular meeting it basically was lunch, but it was a regular <laughs> meeting where we would write down ideas and try to like turn it on its side. So mm -hmm. at the time he, he was like older than me. So he was living vicariously through some of the people I was dating at the time. I was like, Oh, let's hear about these relationships. Yeah. So I would describe them in ridiculous detail because once I have someone that's attention, that's interested in what I'm saying, I was mm -hmm. like, all right, let's make this into a bit. And, uh, it was this one thing I remember talking about, like, 
literally the idea of like the date from hell. And I was like, oh no, this is literally what's happened. I was like, everyone has just seen a normal date. Yeah. Like for coffee or something. I'm sitting across from a demon. And <laughs> it's just fire everywhere. And I, and I just want to look at it from the, the audience's perspective. When I was writing this thing down, we used to do treatments, the whole, yeah. the whole gamut. And we just couldn't take it to whatever that next level was to, to bring it to fruition. But, um, yeah. So now that's an element in how I tell stories that yeah. are usually wild. Like I, I will tell you this one off mic because I cannot put it in front of polite company. <laughs> Right, but cool. uh it's it's don't let me forget it because I will, oh, i'll remind you rob i'll remind the it, hell out of you don't worry it involved collard greens and raisins oh, oh god so okay. all right that's a sazon if you will a, a little bit of a taste is mm-hmm. a pre- precursor <laughs> the, so, the adobo, the adobo well, so you, you mentioned um part of that creative mission you kind of think touched on like how you found it like was there any like aha moment of all right let me use this as an outlet because i remember you you mentioned catastrophizing that's one of those uh therapy words that i've heard before mm-hmm. and uh, i used to use the uh, japanese idea of let's just act like you're a samurai and imagine how you're going to die and that's how you <laughs> limit catastrophizing yeah um, this is what my mindful therapist told me at one mm-hmm. point but in finding that creative niche, like, how did you like, what, what was that conversation like? maybe internally? Yeah, no, honestly, it probably, so like, you know, you go to school and you start school and they're like, oh, welcome to school. Um, you're going to like learn how to become an artist and blah, 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 art school. Hmm. So, you know, I spent like a lot of time, like my first few years, just kind of like you know, I like drawing these things and I like doing those things and like, oh, that looks cool. Why does it look cool? And kind of learning why I liked the things that I liked and learning why, I don't know, something worked like visually. Right. And I have a mentor and he was one of my professors, uh, my junior year, my senior year of college. And, you know, we have to do a thesis um, our senior year, which was, you know, the film that you know, the award-winning director, Christina Fiddler, that was my film, Condolences from the Vulgar Tongue, or Boner. So I spent like 10 10 months um, on that project. And I think that was the kind of point that like, I really, like everything that I had internalized and learned over the years kind of came together into this very like cohesive package of a five and a half minute film, right? So I guess where my mentor comes in is I would come in every day and I'd be like, Isma, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like, I don't know. Like, I want to tell a story that means something to me, which I hope in turn will mean something to other people. And like, I don't know how I'm going to do that. What if I can't figure it out? And he used to tell me all the time, it's already there. The story's already there. It's in you. And learning to kind of trust that everything I wanted to say and everything that I felt would come out in some way, shape or form if I like put a pen to paper um, and I started drawing a picture or, you know, like I, I wrote a scene or something. And so I think it was my thesis film and hearing him tell me that every day when I came in and, and was like, oh my God, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like the process, it, it's already, yeah, it's already there. And so I guess I kind of leaned into that and was like, okay, um, I, 
was just making and making and trying not to think too hard about it. And then I'd sit down and look at everything that kind of came out, like all the shots that I was working on and like how they would flow together, like just in a timeline. And I was like, oh, wow, the things I really like are kind of like coming out on screen. And this time I made them, it wasn't someone else. And I was like, oh my God, like I can do that. And I did it. And I guess that really helped me shape like what it is I find interesting about life and about myself and other human beings. And I was like, okay, what, why does animation, like, why is it different than say a live action film and picking up a camera and like filming a story like with, with real people that, and like the laws of gravity and like, you know, the limitations of where you can put a camera and things like that. And I was like, you know, a story told in the form of like animation, like you can, you can really push things and you can really kind of get across things that like, you know, whether they're subtle or like in your face, like you can really kind of mess with a degree to which you want to like hammer in a point or like, you know, create a feeling. And like, again, you can do those things with any medium. It's just, for me, animation is the thing that like makes the most sense. Um, yeah, I guess I was just also really super lucky to have friends that also are artists and I still, they're still my friends. Um, <laughs> I was like, I, I had friends. Um, I erased them. Yeah, <laughs> <just> like, <laughs> <Get> out of here. <laughs> like I have friends that, you know, are also artists and they're different art. Like they're not just animators, they're illustrators and graphic designers and filmmakers and photographers. And, mm -hmm. you know, they see the world a little bit differently, but it's really amazing how like those like our techniques and even just like some of the ways that we, we notice stuff and the, some of the ways we want to communicate things kind of mesh. Um, so a lot of it is just kind of, you know, a lot of it was just discovery. My film was the thing that was like, oh, I can do that. And now I'm just kind of like, all right, Christina, just trust that everything you want to say is in you all the time. And me talking to you is like, the same, like the way I'm talking is the way I kind of just make the art. I'm like, if I'm like this, this is the energy I give you. This is kind of what I'm trying to capture in an image. <laughs> if that makes that's, sense. That's the thing that I used to um, not struggle with, but I used to like juggle when, you know, like I said, I've been doing this pod and I'm a thousand, but I've been doing this pod for, you know, quite some time. And yeah. I would have people who would listen to it. It's like, so how close is the is Rob on uh, Robcast or getting to the truth in this art or any of the other podcasts that I've done to the real Rob? And I was like, well, look at it like a, a wrestler. Look at it like that kind of promos. Like it has to be some of that there, but yeah. it's amplified because it, it is presenting something. You're using whatever your 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 skill set is to get that out there. So. I'm, I am maybe more provocative in some respects or just like, you know what, this could be an interesting conversation or just being ridiculous for the sake of being ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. um, and one of the things I, I wanted to touch on, this is, this is, this is going to date me because this came out the year I was born. Uh, there's a song by AHA uh -huh. called Take On Me. Oh yeah. Oh, um, I think it's okay. That one's a meme. Everyone knows that one. You're good. You're not dating yourself. So there's a movie that came out not too, too long ago, maybe, maybe six years ago called Zoom, I think. 
and they take the same idea and just turn it into a full film. It's like it's uh, a woman in the movie. I forget who who the, the character is. Uh, I feel like it's like maybe Zoe Deschanel. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, she has a thing for some some dude that's in a comic and she like manifests him to real life. So he's like animated and they're dating and it's fucking weird and yeah. strange and is interesting. But when you're able to it's more so going back to that that point you were getting at about how like animation you have a little bit more flexibility and kind of less like perimeters because i think live action knows it that they have those parameters that's why they try to inject animation in it sometimes like especially with like superhero movies sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like Oh, you drew that. It's well shaded and it looks real. Yeah. You drew that because nobody can move like Spider-Man or, or what have you. So, yeah, I definitely un- understand that. Um, so what's the res- what was the response to, to Boner? What was the response to condolences from a vulgar tongue? <laughs> yeah. So honestly, I didn't really expect it to be. <laughs> I really didn't expect the reception that I've received. I'm really grateful and really lucky. Like I, okay. So I finished it during COVID. So like, it was kind of like in March, I can't believe it's been a whole, Oh God. Um, (laughs) I was working on that when everything shut down. And so it just became me in my room, just, working all the time on this thing like staring at a screen for hours and hours and hours and hours a day and my roommate had um a computer that could like handle rendering because mine mine was like "Ah, please please don't (laughs) so i would go down there to their room and i would just sit there from like 8 a.m to like 10 p.m trying to like composite and render and do all this shit and I, you know, the whole time when you stare at something for so long, you're like, oh my God, I'm tired of this. I don't think anyone's going to care. It's just like, you know, like, how do I know this is even anything? And, you know, my mentor was like, just submit it to things. Just, just do it. You know? And like, my friends were like, who gives a shit? You miss hundred percent of the shots you never take. It's a draw line, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I was just like, you know, I submitted it to Sweaty Eyeballs, Animation Block Party, which is like one of the largest like East Coast like celebrations of animation. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was getting into, I got into Couch Film Festival, which is, it's a Canadian festival. Um, so I could say I'm an international, you know, I'm going uh-huh. around the world, you know, but <laughs> um, I, what sucks is that like with COVID, you can't, really have the experience of being at a festival and like talking to all these people and like watching things with a bunch of strangers in a giant dark room and like clapping at the same time and like reacting. So I really wish that I had the experience of like being able to see, like gauge an audience in real time. Um, That's something that I wish that I had the opportunity to like experience, but also with online festivals, it's made things so much more accessible. Um, so people can watch from the comfort of their homes, their phones, their laptops. And I've gotten like messages from people that are like, oh my God, I saw your film. And like, it was so good. And like, wow. And I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, and I've had people, it's really interesting to see what people take from that project. Um, I've had people tell me like, you know, like I lost my mom last year, they would say. And like, I really felt the kind of like burden of responsibility, like 
and watching that film really remind like took me back to that time and it's really relatable in that regard or someone else said to me like yeah um Huxley you know the main character Huxley really like goes on this entrepreneurial journey and I was like oh interesting like to me it's a lot of it is just like a commentary on like a like a critique on capitalism but they were like yeah he really just became like the ultimate salesman and I'm like it's really it's just really interesting to see how like something that I thought or you know like when you make something you have certain intentions for it seeing mm -hmm. how it like takes on a life of its own and then seeing how like other people kind of just take that internalize bits of it and then kind of share with you things about their own experience or their own life and it's really cool and I think it's something it's like really an honor and a privilege as an artist to be able to like open that up for people you know like have someone be like this reminded me of this very personal thing and like I'm glad that you told the story because I liked that part or oh my god when all the dogs were licking the bones oh my goodness I was horrified and I was like good that's exactly what I wanted and it worked um, that's what I wanted from you <laughs> yeah and it's like got it and so it's been really great um having that out there and just kind of me I've met a lot of really talented people um because you know other people in festivals and other people seeing things and then like seeing my film and then me going, Oh, who are these people seeing my film? And then me seeing all their work. And it's like, it's just so cool. And I'm really, I'm really glad that like, this is what I do. And I'm really like in love with the people that like I get to make things with, you know, and it's yeah. been a really, it's opened a lot of doors for me. So thanks boner. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, it's good, to end, good to end it with that. I like that. Uh, so uh, let's see. Let's see. I got, I got a Brooklyn question in here because, yeah, we, we'll talk about that. Uh, so what what is your take on gender inclusion and cultural diversity within animation? That is a big question that I like, know. I won't even be able to scratch the surface of, but like, we're going to we're going to try. We're going to try. Yeah. Um, so a lot of like animation, like the history of animation is very dark, you know, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, those things were rampant in an industry that was like very clearly dominated by white men in the early 1900s. Yeah. Um, and both in the cartoons that they were making and in real life. Um, and this industry is still dominated by white men, some of whom have like weaponized their power and influence to keep others down and like shame people who are different than them. Sorry, there's a car coming by. I hope that wasn't too loud. Um, like shame people who like were different than them and like would just do really horrible things. It's really unfortunate that like names are still coming out in like Hollywood and in like the industry where you're like, oh, yeah, like John Lasseter, you're like, wow, someone like that who like made all the films that like we all know was like sexually harassing women, you know, like throughout his time in this industry. And he still gets a pass because he's still making things. And you're like, wow. So, you know, um, for the longest time, like this industry has felt very gatekeepy and almost like incestuous in the kind of like we hire only the people we know and like, you know, all of my little, like the boys club or whatever. And times are changing. Um, it's a very slow change, um, <laughs> but like still like the numbers in like 2019 were like in film alone, like only 3% of directors are women. And like 
1% of those directors were women of color. And, you know, granted that was 2019 and now we're in 2021, but like still that's kind of like, I'm weary about the checkmark diversity effect where like companies will hire one black person or one queer person or one woman to like hit a mark and flash it like a trophy, you know? And then like, they'll hire those people with like the expectation that they will be useful for like curing other people's ignorance or like that their insight is only useful when it needs to be injected into like a part of the story versus like viewing those people as creatives with artistic visions and sensibilities that like deserve their own platforms, you know, and we should be finding ways to kind of boost those voices so that like their projects can be on the big screen, you know, and like, whether it's on like, like whether it's on a big screen or it's like the tele like television or the internet, like to have young kids and people who were deprived of those experiences growing up, like giving them the opportunity to be like, Oh my God, that's me on the screen, you know, or like, that's me. I feel seen. Like that is what I am grateful that we're starting to see in recent years. Um, but like, you know, you have to keep an eye out for genuinity and celebrating successes and knowing that like, you can be critical of something even as you consume and enjoy it, you know, like it's okay for dualities to exist. And I think it could be both at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, a lot of people, you know, with, um, I'll use soul as an example, right? Like people were really excited that like, we're like, this is like, I guess the first one of, one of the most recent and very successful, like black led films, you know, like yeah. look at all these characters, like this is awesome. But then it's like, Oh, Disney did the thing again where they take a character of color and then turn them into, they anthropomorphize them for a good chunk of the movie. Yeah. Or like, you know, they're an animal or they're an object. And it's like, it, 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 it turns into almost that. I remember it, it was a clip from, I think it was a Roxanne Gay interview. And mm -hmm. she was just talking about how people were complaining about Wonder Woman. It's like, yeah. I just don't want to win. I just don't yeah. want to win in any way. And Going back to that one thing, and I and I didn't want to cut you off. But it's it's funny. It's uh it's an assessment that I usually make, where it, it, I I won't take it from my buddy because he always says woke dollars. That's what he woke describes. Dollars. Yeah, but he's like, yeah, well, you're he's like your activism, all of these different things. Yeah. He's like, it's something that has a dollar amount attached to it, mm -hmm. and the thing that always catches me is like, hmm. Would queer woman of color, because it has to be multiple tiers yeah. at one time because it's being used in a fetishy sort of, yep. to, to your point, let's check this box. And now we can move back on to this white dude to save in the universe. Yeah, a or, CG or bro or a film bro. Yeah. Yep. And it's like, you know, in terms of someone feeling seen, it's very kind of interesting as to what's acceptable in being seen and what's kind of... Uh, not it is not in a conversation of being shamed or being excluded so like if we have let's let's put it this way if we have an obesity problem here right mm -hmm. where where's your fat superhero where's your your fat leading man or woman where's your your your, your chunky representation and that's the thing that's kind of weird to me it's like there's no dollars in that yeah that at least that's my my, my standpoint maybe i'm wrong mm -hmm. in it but it, it's just interesting on what gets the, the rock. Yeah, right no, now. exactly. And it's interesting because it's like the people that determine like what's going to go on screen, <laughs> yeah. what's going to go on screen or what's palatable for audiences. A lot of the time is just, you know, 
the white man executive going, yeah, like this can be the thing. Okay. You know, black person or queer person or woman person, like you can put this here, like this will work, but anything else might be too uncomfortable for people. And it's like, you know, it's really frustrating that like, those are the kinds of hurdles that we still have to navigate in the year 2021, you know? And that's why like talking about like, mentioning earlier when I was working with WIA and women in animation and like building workshops and film festivals and portfolio reviews, this was all like in an effort to facilitate a space where developing artists could be themselves, meet each other and like learn that they deserve a lot more than they think, you know? And like, yeah, that like we shouldn't have to, and I say we, because I'm also like, you know, I'm a part of this, you're a part of this, even if it's not animation, it's still this kind of like creative, this creative world, this creative bubble that we live in, you know, like we shouldn't have to settle for mistreatment or poor representation or exploitation of our services and our creative minds um, entering an industry that will be changed and shaped for the better by these like new generations of artists. And yeah, and like, we're gonna change it. And that's something that like, I want young people like to have faith in and it's like I also want people to know that like none of us really like it's okay to not really know what you're doing or how you're going to get there but like we're all going to figure it out together because we all want the same thing you know and I wrote down just a couple of like just if people are interested like there's some really great platforms out there helping to diversify like the animation industry specifically and like celebrate the whole new age of creators in animation and like rise up animation is a really great org um black and animated and it's like the n not and um, the culture podcast women in animation we and straight ahead is a new podcast about independent animators those are just like a few of like a really great list of like orgs and podcasts and like instagram pages that are like interviewing all different kinds of animators and artists and it's really awesome and people should check them out um i think it's gonna be a lot of really cool and interesting things that come out of whether across mediums but especially like in animations what you were describing and working on your own boner um like just those long hours. And I think part of it maybe was aided by we're in the middle of a pandemic. So there people are inside. So there may be a lot of good things coming out of that. And, you know, the thing that I'm always looking at uh, when there is someone that finally gets that opportunity mm-hmm. that they're put in front of there, the, the white man is like, all right, here you go. Here's an opportunity for you. <laughs> it's like, what are you going to do with it? And because my, my thing is I'm critical of everyone in the same way. Yeah. And when I was like, oh, so that's what you chose, mm-hmm. that bullshit. And, and, I, and, I, and I'll just call it what it is. And then other times it's like, all right, I'm going to eat my words. Mm-hmm. And I, I look for it because especially when it comes to, because since my experience is a delicious black man. So I have to look for <laughs> so like, you, so. what, what's, what's the, the black thing, right? And yeah. I'm always craving for like, when are we going to get some Walter Mosley stuff? We don't, when are we going to get these types of stories? We don't have any of that stuff. No one wants to do that. No one wants to take that rock. And it is is i always look for that and i'm not talking about it having to be live action it's like yeah. why can't this be a well done animated piece why can't yeah. we get something that's dope or something like black dynamite which mm-hmm. is fucking phenomenal yeah. it's like oh so we just get two seasons of that and that's yeah. donezo and got it those things like 
those people with those ideas are out there like existing, but it's just really hard to kind of climb through all of those like hurdles and like, like freaking brick walls that like, you know, stop them from being able to kind of make the best things that they want to make. Um, and it's just really interesting to see like how certain ideas that people have can kind of get watered down and co-opted by like major corporations and turned into ideas that people think are like unique and fresh and like woke when it's like, you know, those weren't the original (laughs) minds behind those things. And I think that's something that's like worth talking about, you know? Yes. When, when you look at, like stuff from I'll, I'll, every now and again, I'll do a deep dive into like the fifties and sixties and look at stuff. Then like old, uh, twilight zone, mm-hmm. uh, outer limits, Star oh my, Trek, God, my dad loves like that, right? outer limits. <laughs> and I listen and I read like uh, fellow K Dick books and, yeah. um, and, and, and things in that kind of vein. Cause I feel like that was a weird period where it was a shift that people are just now starting to talk about with, Oh, we know the aliens are real. It's like, yeah. We, we knew then or some of the roots of some of the sci-fi stuff that we see now mm-hmm. comes from stuff then. And I was especially look at Gene Roddenberry and uh, who's the dude uh, from Twilight Zone or what have you blanking because I, I smoke too much weed. But um, in it, I'm just like concessions were made to it's like these characters in this Rod, Rod Serling, these characters in this episode they are black, but we're going to make them aliens because that's more appropriate. Yep. It's like they're the vehicle. Mm-hmm. This is a sci-fi show. You can't talk about social justice in the 50s or whatever the thing was in the 50s or what have you. You can't talk about equality in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Those have to be aliens. Mm-hmm. Cool. They're going to be gay aliens. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and I think that different versions of those same concessions are made. So, yeah. you know, in those instances where like I remember people talking about what is that? Uh, that Netflix movie about the black toy creator, what have you? Uh, 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 Forrest Whitaker was in it. I think it was like Jangle or something. I don't know. This it came out this past year, anyway. Yeah, it was all black cast and all of that stuff, and people are doing cartwheels and moonwalking and all of that stuff about it. I'm like, that's cool. I was like, why is Ricky Martin's character like kind of like a little on the problematic side? <laughs> Cause he's like a Spanish marionette or something. Mm-hmm. And it has the cringy kind of, it's like, mm-hmm, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, if we're doing it, do all of it. Don't cherry pick. <laughs> that's the thing that gets me. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll leave that. I, we, this, that's probably a conversation for a later time because <laughs> yeah. I can deep dive into that. Cause yeah, no, I'm it, surly and old. Yeah. <laughs> and like I said, it's like a really, it go like, it's a really, 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 like just scratching the surface, you know, we're just taking a little like, it's like a scratch, a little lottery ticket and we're taking a little quarter and we're just going like, there's oh, I was, so- was going to go drugs. We're taking just enough to do one quick bump <laughs> and then you know, yeah. just back to the rest of the day. So I got a few more questions before yeah. I give you back the rest of your afternoon. Uh, <laughs> Lay it on me. So, What are because we, 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 we shit on cartoons a little bit there, but what are some of your favorite cartoons? Oh my God. See, that's like, <laughs> that's like, asking- I'll, I'll limit it to three cartoons. I'm, I'll simplify it. <laughs> okay. 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 It's not a top three. It's just three to come to mind. Okay. Animaniacs. The original Animaniacs is the reason okay. I started. This is, it's the reason why I'm here talking to you right now. Um, like I was like, Oh my God, 
this is why I want to be an animator. It's top tier. Yeah. Top, like that's God level. Okay. Like that's the, <laughs> like, yeah. And I think anybody who knows me is going to be like, Oh Jesus, like there she goes again, talking about fucking animaniacs. Yeah. That's the reason the reboot is really awesome. I love it. Um, certain things, you know, love the original for what it is and you love the new thing for what it is um so without a doubt that was when i was a kid i used to like you could tell that episodes and even shots in an episode where they looked different stylistically and i like found all of the studios that had made like all of the different like shots that i was recognizing so like i could tell like oh that one like that one studio in chicago did the yeah. shot or like did the like wackos america or like the intro was done by that one studio in japan and i was like wow you can really make cartoons and like you can make this and that's really fucking cool and i want to do that you know and then i'm gonna loop these together just because like i want just let me do it rob please <laughs> um bojack horseman and tuka and birdie um without okay. a doubt just because like um, Raphael Bob Waxberg and Lisa Hanawalt kind of worked together on both of those things and they'd been friends I think since like high school my friend gave me the Art of Bojack Horseman book and I had been reading it and I was like wow like collaborators and cool things and it's just really sick to see how like I think those are shows to me that are kind of like why can't like you know they're really good because they can't be told in any other medium um <laughs> I really feel like those are stories that just can't exist with the same jokes and tones and like atmospheres that they have, you know, being animated shows. And just with Bojack, it's like, you know, the discussions on mental health and the kind of messy and like broken, like getting to see characters be messy and broken and see part of yourself in them and like cherry pick the things that like you relate to and, the times I fucking cried watching that show and just being like, wow, I really, this is what I want to do. And this is, these are the stories I want to tell. People are messed up and the world is sick. And like, how can we find ways to kind of, you know, enjoy what we have or like laugh at the things that we can laugh at, you know, like there obviously, you know, there's degrees to which you can like punch up on things. You never want to punch down, but like, you know, and Tuca and Birdie is just a really awesome example of like a show that is about two like women characters that are like gross and obscene and fun. Right. And it's like great that like you can have that on a, you know, like women are just as gross and obscene and fun as like anyone else. And it's like awesome in that way. And then the reason why I got to loop those together is because I really yeah. want to say that um, Victoria Vincent is one of my favorite animators. She's known as Vune on the internet. She made um, Cat City, Twins in Paradise, most recently um, Bobo the Monkey, which I think was also featured in one of the Adult Swim shorts. Um, she is an incredible animator and one of my hugest like influences, like aesthetically and just tonally. Oh, lo- oh love her work. Those are the, those are the three. Those are the three. Oh, they're four. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I was going to throw in, well, I will throw it in there. So we're going to have to be as quick as possible in these right. next ones. Okay. And this one is hard. Um. So you're from Brooklyn originally. Yep. Brooklyn, New York. Boo. Uh, mm-hmm. How does Brooklyn, in your opinion, measure up? Like, is it 
positively or it's like eh, no place is Brooklyn to how does Baltimore measure yeah. up to Brooklyn that's really funny because I can answer that one so easily because that's the one damn question everyone on tinder will ask you all the fucking wow. time so it's like oh here I love both places um they're okay. different for sure um but ba- like in in Brooklyn I lived like you know small like South Brooklyn it's very quiet there it's near coney island um but i went to school on the upper west side and like i went to school in coney island and all these places but like there is like a hustle and bustle that like i've kind of internalized it's with me always i'm always walking faster than all my friends here in baltimore Mm -hmm. um but what i really love about what baltimore has to offer is like you know the communities and i think people who live here really care about baltimore and really care about like creatives it feel it's it's smaller than like new york um it feels to me but it's more intimate you know yeah. like with new york it's like everyone goes there they all want to be something Meh. it's like big big leagues or like they think it's big leagues you know they're like oh this is where it all is so it's a lot of people who think they're hot shots when like really you know people are sleeping on places like baltimore where like all of these people are making great things and yeah they're they get to do it with their friends and their neighbors and like it's a little quieter than i'm used to because there are times when i'm like oh my god it's 1 a.m and i really want to order something and everything closes at nine and i'm gonna fucking lose my mind Uh, i agree with that yeah like i'm not i'm still not used to that after being here for um you know i guess going on five years now but you know I love both places dearly. The also the other thing I miss is that is the transportation um, of New York. I don't know how to drive, um, and that yeah, it's a little hard. Um, but I love walking around, and that's again another thing about Baltimore is the architecture is ridiculous here. It's so delicious. Um, <laughs> that's that word again. Yeah, and <laughs> honestly, like you know, there's a very like there's a really interesting and long history um, of Baltimore and, you know, it's very dark and it's also very informative and important. And it really, I don't know. I really like, I don't know. I really like it here and I really like Brooklyn too. And they hold different places in my heart. And yeah, I hope that's, that was succinct enough. That answers it. Um, All right. So here's the ball buster question. All right. Bust my balls. (laughs) <laughs> are you a meat eater real quick say that again do you eat meat oh no i don't i thought you said mediator and i was like no no okay. i don't no meat all right so that so i gotta throw that one out okay. seafood once in a while once in a while <laughs> all right beer yeah i like beer okay uh <laughs> Because I was, I was like, because I, I have to ask that because it's, I've been running to a lot of people who have shellfish allergies. So uh-huh. it's like, okay, I can't ask you what crab cake are you eating. I can't ask you what's in your chicken box. Yeah. Um, what is, when you think of like a Baltimore related food, what is that quintessential Baltimore food for you that you would eat? I mean, like, honestly, I had never, like, I know this is going to be like a generic ass answer, but like, I had never deconstructed a crab in my life before I got here. And my friends were like, like, I have a few friends who like have lived here their whole lives. And they're like, are you shitting me? They were like, okay, we're going to go get like a bushel of crabs 
and we're going to like lay down some newspapers and we're going to sit your yeah. ass down and we're going to teach you how to do this. And That's communal experience. Yeah, no, I, I was like, what? And they were like, yeah, look at, oh, I, I have one friend who was like, yeah, no, I love the eggs. Mm. And I was like, what? I was like, okay. She was like, yeah, they taste like mustard to me. Trolling. And I, was like, <laughs> I was like, okay. And another friend of ours um who also like doesn't really eat meat um yeah she she'll eat like fish from time to time i had to do all of her like i had to break open all of her crabs for her so I, like they were like this is how you do it take this knowledge with you so i'm trying to like pass on what i know uh-huh. <laughs> um but yeah no honestly i had never, never done that and can't wait again because it's it really is a it really is like a ceremony it's an experience. You sit down, you lay everything down, you get fucking, you get dirty, you know? Yeah. You get dirty. You get down and dirty. You get messy and all. When, you're, when you're cracking claws, <laughs> it's not meant for the faint of heart. You, you know, you gotta crack some shells sometimes. Yeah. No, and it, it's, um, I kind of, I kind of like, it's, I kinda, it's kind of fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was kind of surprised that I enjoyed it. Um, it felt a little brutal, but I was like, you know what? Like, sometimes you just gotta, Sometimes you got to do those things, you know? <laughs> yeah. So in the last moment, I like to do that shameless plug and tell, tell folks, where can they find you? Where are your social media, your website, all that good stuff. Oh, hell yeah. So um, you can find my work at ChristinaFiddler.com, F-I-D-L-E-R. Um, I have an Instagram. It's Schwifty Bits, which is like S-C-H-W-I-F-T-Y-B-I-T-S. I had to like type it out as I was spelling it to make sure I was spelling it right. I, I noticed that was like, mm. <laughs> and um, actually the work I did with comedy central um, just came out. Um, they have a new digital, like digital shorts, like YouTube. So I think it's called comedy central animated. And yeah. the project I worked on was called pitch and impossible. And it's just a bunch of comedians and like funny people who kind of jokingly pitch uh, pilots for shows that would never make it on air. <laughs> um, and that's coming out now. So I pitched for that. I animated for that. Um, that was a great time. Grant, um, the guy who runs the entire thing, um, he has another show called Tales from the Trip, which people not yeah. quite know. He's a great guy. He's really funny. Oh, it's a great project. And that's kind of, yeah, that's, you know, you can watch Condolences on my website too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and anyone can always just drop me a line and say hi. You know, I like talking to people. So, yeah. So so there you have it. Um, I want to again, thank you for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me, Rob. This is really fucking awesome. Cool. Um, so for Christina Fittler, I am Rob Lee saying that there is art in and around Baltimore. Just got to look for it. Yeah.